Well, hello, Ed. How are you? How are you? Good evening, John. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? Excellent. Yes, it's good to see you again. It's, it always feels so long. You know, and it used it to does. be a month. It used to be worse because <laughs> it used to be a month. But it still yeah. feels it still feels like quite a gap, even though it's only two weeks. Yeah, it's although fortunately I have that gap. I'm not sure if I could do a show once a week and still maintain my sanity. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I know. I'm, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot goes into them. Um, Mainly the research. I mean, if we were just uh, to chat in a way, then it, yeah. it wouldn't be such an issue. But yeah, if we were just spitballing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what have you got? For, well, we know what you've got for us tonight, uh, don't we? You've got the long-awaited Freemasonry. I think. Um, <laughs> Little Shalini's been banging on about this for months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and she, she nearly didn't get a voice in last time as well, bless her. So, know, yeah, this this one's, this one's dedicated to Shalini, who's, who's also one of your loyal, most loyal subscribers. There you go, Shalini. Dedicated to you. So, shall we dig in to the world yeah, of Freemasonry? Yes, let's. It's, uh, it's going to be... Um, it's an interesting one because obviously, as people know, Freemasonry is a very old and massively conspiratorial group. Mm -hmm. There's a secret part of it, and then there's a public part of it. Um, I mean, the public part is enormous. If you want to just just pop onto slide ten, mm -hmm. which is not, I didn't. I was going to put it further in but this is a good one to that just gives you an idea of of the size of the organization i mean the the dark red color is 5000 to 15000 masonic lodges so it's it's also very much um a five easy kind of thing as well it's, isn't it just it's um, not very popular uh, in russia <laughs> <laughs> or sweden uh, no um but yeah, so Freemasonry, also known as Masonry, is a fraternal organization that emerged in Britain during the late 16th or early 17th century. Now, uh, that's an interesting date because that's the official thing. But there are documents that go back to the, the oldest one is called the Old Charges, uh -huh. which outlines rules for members and was written in the 1390s. And if you pop... On to slide, where are we? Four. I'm on, I'm on slide two at the moment. All oh, right. Okay. Did you did you have the map open on slide ten? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You when yeah, you no, started, just when you started wrapping on, I thought I'll move to slide I, two. No, I can never. I, I can never work out what order to put the slides oh, in. So what, the things. Which slide uh, should I be on, my good man? Four. four. Yeah, just four because I'm jumping around a bit to start right. with. Okay, we're on slide four. Old charges. So. Yeah, and that dates back to the 1390s. Right. Okay. Um, so suffice it to say, the roots and early history of Freemasonry are very obscure. Um, but uh, the, the, official, the official story is that modern Freemasonry likely grew out of the tradition of medieval stonemasons' guilds. And the guilds consisted of actual stonemasons who built castles, cathedrals, other major edifices, and they also helped regulate training, qualifications, wages for stonework etc. And over time, some lodges of operative masons began to accept honorary members and evolved into lodges of speculative masons, gentlemen who used the symbolism of masonry to contemplate moral and philosophical issues. The shift from lodges of working stonemasons to lodges focused on moral speculation and fraternity is actually key 
to understanding the public side of modern Freemasonry. Um, and the idea with this is we're going to, because I didn't really know that much about the official history of it. Uh-huh. So I figured we'll just run through a bit of the official history and then we can okay. go down so, some of the rabbit holes. So do you think, um, and do you think on, that modern Freemasonry is a bit like that they need to belong to a club? You know, like you start off in the scouts and then you move on to whatever. And then as you get older, you some people end up buying a Harley and being in a biker club or... <laughs> You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Is that a man thing where you feel the need to belong in a club? I think it is. I mean, if you look at it's the same with golf. Yeah, yeah. And um, darts and pool and anything. I mean, it's, I think men, we have this kind of need for camaraderie, that, that sort of, um, I don't know. I think that there's a certain amount of competitiveness to it as well. And I, I think those those sorts of things just they satisfy something that that men kind of need. Oh, I it's guess. the hunt, isn't it? Um, it's the hunt. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Because, it's the it's the army. Yeah, I mean we we used to get together and go hunting and you know, the women would stay at home and we would go off on our jollies for two or three days hunting and come back the all conquering heroes, you know, with the food. And, yep. and, you know, it was always the men that did it and they gl- grouped together and, and then they, they would have their little rites where they, they in, in initiated the youngsters into the, the into manhood when they'd take them on their first hunt and, you know, take them away from their mother's aprons, whatever. So I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's maybe just an, ex- I'm not saying it's purely an extension of that, but that's probably where this, this need to be in a club kind of thing comes from in men. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, I even think... even to some extent, you know, grouping together as a bunch of guys and playing Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, or or World of Warcraft or whatever. There's there's something. It, it's yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it it's all of these sorts of clubs, whether it's about cars or, I don't know, pick yeah. a pick yeah. a subject. Yeah. Um. So the beginnings of, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, the thing, the thing that you always have to remember with Freemasonry is that there is a, a public side of it and a lot of the public members. And I mean, this is not as usual with the rabbit holes. I'm not out to try and criticize anyone or denigrate anybody or anything like that. And there are a lot of these Masonic lodges where the the members are just normal public figures and they, they are, they have good hearts and they're, they're trying to do good in their community. Yes. But then you have the kind of secret side of things. Yeah. And you have the, the the secret symbols and the secret handshakes. And some of that is, I mean, yeah, the, the goings on. Well, the, the goings on in the Masonic lodges are, they, they, it's considered private. So the information, I mean, trying to put together a, a presentation like this is actually quite difficult because all of the the, the private side Obviously, it's all it's all secret. But it must have and been, so we've just got some. Somebody must have burst it. You're, you're telling me that nobody in the Masons has burst and and told everyone what goes on, whether they do roll up a trouser leg or slap themselves with fish or whatever. Well, they they do, and and we we do have some details about some of the the initiation rites and stuff. Certainly in. 
the public facing side of the Masons, but what happens in, in terms of the secret history and the secret side of it, all we've got is speculation. And, and we have lots of, what we do know is that there are an awful lot of powerful, famous people that were and are Masons. Um, so it goes basically, officially, it goes back to 17th century London. Yeah. Could, could I the ask, earliest known? No, go on. Could, could I ask a question before we dig sure. into this, and mm-hmm. just for the audience's um, education as well? Now, I'm not a Mason. I've never been a Freemason, right? But if I was a Freemason, would I tell you? Um, it depends on whether you are. Because I was in a taxi with with a guy one time that said was was uh, talking effusively about the Masons, and he even made me give give me his my business card, and he said, "Oh, I'll get you in the Masons." I never heard anything back, but <laughs> it's yeah, I yeah, I, I, I that's the public side though, the, yeah. the the private side. I wouldn't even imagine that the thirty third degree Masons. That exist would necessarily admit that they're thirty third degree. Now, I just, I'd just and... like to point out here, people, that I have made a public declaration that I am not a Mason. I have yet to hear the same thing from Ed. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely not a Mason. No, definitely not. No, there was like I said, I had a taxi. I had a conversation with a guy in a taxi one time who also actually claimed to be in the SAS as well. So, uh, take. Um, make of that what you will. But, it wasn't Andrew no, Lomax, was it? As, as a public declaration, <laughs> of uh, there are, I have no conflicts of interest. I have no, I don't know any Masons. I, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've never had any contact with them at all. Um, but the oldest right. record of the Masons goes back to the 1390s, and it's this old charges document. It was discovered in the 1850s. And it references a lodge that reportedly met at the Goose and Gridiron Alehouse in London. And if you pop on to, where are we, slide nine, I've actually managed to find a, an artist's oh, representation. Cool. Supposedly it was in 8 London House Yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and other early lodges included Mason's Company Lodge Number no. 1, which was formed in London in 1606 when its members were still operative Masons. The Edinburgh Register House manuscript dated to 1620 contains the earliest accident record of a lodge specifically embracing speculative masonry with gentlemen members being admitted masons, in quotes. In the 1640s, England underwent significant social turmoil with the overthrow and execution of Charles I, the abolition of the monarchy and the establishment of the Commonwealth of England under Oliver Cromwell. We could kind of do without a bit of that right now, but let's let's yeah. not go let's not go down that particular rabbit hole. But I I always think that every time I hear Oliver Cromwell's name, it's like yeah, yeah. right, good yeah. job. <laughs> um, but after the restoration of Charles II to the throne in 1660, um, Freemasonry was revived <laughs> in England. <laughs> Uh, some scholars argue that the early Freemasonry, the early Freemasonry, promoted religious tolerance and brotherhood during a period of tension between Catholics and Protestants. Others obviously dispute this, noting that Masonic lodges remained relatively small in number until growth took off in the 18th century. 
Either way, the social upheaval of the English Civil War may have impacted Freemasonry's early development and purpose. Um, it expanded dramatically across Britain and continental Europe during the Enlightenment era of the 1700s. Lodges spread to France, Germany, Poland, Russia, Italy, Spain, and Portugal. Notable members during this period included political theorist Montesquieu, Voltaire. Um, we've got a picture of Voltaire, old French dead guy. Um, several founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. Oh, yep. Sorry? Is that, oh, Voltaire, yep. Go on. Yep. And, and then 12 is ben, yeah, Benjamin Franklin, uh, George Washington, yep. um, nobles like Prince Hall. Um, didn't have a picture of him. The admission of aristocrats and elites who were not actual stonemasons in the 1720s helped grow Freemasonry's popularity and influence. So by this time, we're not just talking about Masons. And it's, again, this is all official history. So yeah. which we're just covering what's, what's on the surface at the moment. Yeah. In 1717, four lodges in London united to form the first Grand Lodge, which was an overarching governing body to oversee Freemasonry. Over the next few decades, the Grand Lodge system spread to Ireland and Scotland. This helped standardise Masonic rituals and symbolism across regions. During the 1730s, Freemasonry was brought into the colonies in North America by the, the colonists and military leaders. A lot of the founding fathers later became Masons um, and played a very important role in American society. And if you look at, uh, where are we, slide, They're all over the place, I'm useless, um, hang on, because I think I'm going to need them in a specific order and then the order changes. So slide 33, <laughs> I didn't actually intend that to be slide 33. 33. It's, yeah, it's honestly, that was not intentional, <laughs> but hand on heart, that was, I, I didn't realize that was slide 33. But the, the, I mean, the founding of the United States is very much bound up in Freemasonry. If you look at Washington D.C., for example, it's yeah. absolutely covered in in Freemasonic symbolism. Yeah, I was in Utah once in Salt Lake City, and there's mm -hmm. a huge, huge lodge there. There, I mean, they're everywhere. It's massive in America. It's really big in the U.K., Scotland, etc. Um, but it is. It does seem to be mainly the English-speaking countries and former yeah. colonies. I mean, obviously, there's. Um, it exists in Europe as well, so that's. It's not to say it's exclusively English. Yeah. Um, but it it does seem to originate in in our part of the world. Um, so it, it spread to the colonies, and by the late 1700s. Masonic lodges existed in India, the West Indies, Canada, and much of Europe. Um, Freemasonry utilizes an initiatory system of degrees and secret, secret rituals to move members from entered apprentice to fellow craft to master mason. Masons use metaphors relating to stonemasonry and use symbolic tools like squares and compasses to teach moral lessons and instill virtues like honesty, fortitude, prudence, and charity. Um, obviously, again, this is the public side of Freemasonry, so yeah. it's it's very much a sort of um, their their public facing persona is very much philanthropic, and we we're here to do good work and everything else. Um, the exact details of rituals are considered private to Masons, and lodge members gather not just for rituals but also for business meetings, social events, and community outreach. 
Now, since its beginnings, Freemasonry has attracted controversy, criticism, and obviously conspiracy theories from various groups. In the 1730s, the Catholic Church became concerned about Masonic influence and banned Catholics from joining, starting organized um, from joining, starting organized opposition. And that's actually been, I mean, if you go back to our Vatican and Pope John Paul the First rabbit holes, yeah, um, the the P2 Masonic Lodge was completely bound up with the Vatican Bank and Marcinkus yeah. and and that whole thing, despite the fact that um, Freemasonry was that Catholics are not allowed to be Freemasons. I don't know if the, the church rules have changed since. I don't think that they have. But one of the, the, the things that John... No, and, and one of the things that John Paul... I think one of his... Um, one of the reasons he was dangerous <clears throat> to the powers that be was because he was... I think he was on his way to discovering just how much they were, the top level Catholics were, but people in the Vatican were ignoring that, that uh, bit of Catholic doctrine. Um, so where are we? Well, speaking about, I mean, if I may interject a small mm -hmm. aside. Of course. Um, speaking about Catholics in particular, um, or, or Catholic as we know them in the west of Scotland. Um, when when I joined the police and um, joined my first shift, one of the first questions they asked me was, "Which foot do you kick with?" Right, and this is intended to find out if you're indeed a Catholic or a Protestant. Well, they were a bit confused when me being me and being completely oblivious to all this carry on because I was a young naive boy said hey, I don't really follow football <laughs> but we it turned out it turned out we had one Catholic on the shift right so it was shift of what 13 or 14 and one of them was a Catholic and oh my god he was obsessed obsessed with Masons and finding out who on the shift were or were not Masons. And he was obsessed in trying to get into the the Orange Lodge, not the Orange Lodge, the Ma the Masonic Lodge. So every time was... every time mm -hmm. the alarm went off at the Masonic Lodge, he would be on the radio going, I'm just around the corner, I'll be there in two minutes. But somebody always beat him to it, and he always got stood <laughs> down. He never, ever got inside the Masonic Lodge. I, I think one of the things about the Masons is if you're really desperate to join the Masons, they don't want to have anything to do with you. I was, because of your police connections, uh -huh. I did, if you look at slide 30 yeah. and 31, one of the things that I found fascinating during the research is how much symbol, um, Masonic symbolism there is in police, yeah. not just yeah. in the UK. Slide 30 shows you um, the, the checkered, that checkered, yeah, yeah that, that is absolutely a symbol of Freemasonry. But that, the, the black and white squares is more than just Freemasonry, though, isn't it? Because there's an awful lot of mysticism about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the key symbols. But then if you look at slide 31, mm -hmm. which shows you some different police force patches yeah. from the United States, I mean, it's even more blatant <laughs> with the, with the G <laughs> symbol. Uh, um, and then if you go to slide 32... Although the, the, it, the, a, lot, a lot of them it, have changed because the New York one doesn't look like that anymore. I don't know, how, I don't know what date these are. 
Yeah, uh, these are quite good because would... the New York ones nothing like that now. Because I've got I got a fairly recent New York badge when I was over there. Um, okay. Um, I mean, it would make sense given given how much controversy and stuff there is surrounding Freemasonry. Yeah. That would something that was. Um, I mean, back in the day, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. It it, it wouldn't necessarily have been such an issue simply because of the lack of internet. Um, But it's still, I mean, the Masonic symbolism is actually still a thing. If you go to slide 32, Mm -hmm. that just shows you some of the big tech. I mean, you've got Gmail's logo, Facebook's logo, Apple's App Store logo, Google Chrome, Google Play, and the Google GPS logo. But I mean, the all-seeing eye, that last one, that's a bit dubious. Okay, okay, right. Yes and no, right? Yes and no, well, right? I mean, right. Um, Google Play, really? Do we think so? It's, to be honest, that was just a. Uh, I was. I went off looking for yeah. um, images, and I found that one, and I didn't necessarily agree with all of them. Yeah, no, I mean um, that's fine. Gmail, right? Um, well, it's a, it's an envelope, so. No matter yeah. how you do it, it's going to come out as a. It's going to look but, like the apron, isn't it? Yeah, but the but envelopes don't normally have that big, thick red kind of border. There's plenty of debunkers that would go sharp head. <laughs> what about um, well the the Facebook one? I mean, come on, Facebook and a thumb. I mean F uh, F. I mean really. I mean, what else? What else are you going to do for Facebook? Facebook one's a bit well, of a stretch. Um, the Google Chrome the one with Freemasonry. The Google Chrome mm-hmm. Divine King sign. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that. That's that's a well-known symbol. Anyway, people people would use that for a number of things. Um, the GPS one is completely off the wall. I don't agree with that one at all. No. Um, that one's just reaching. You Android, could actually find better examples. Yeah, the, the the Apple App Store. Does it look like that still? And does the Android one look like that? Um, I can understand the... why they would do it because you know it's applications and these are tools of applications, aren't they? But yeah. the the Android yeah. one looks more like a sextant than anything, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the problems that I've found with Freemasonry is that there's a certain section of the internet that holds freemasonry responsible for absolutely everything sees freemasons absolutely everywhere and tars everything with the same brush of it's all the freemasons fault and that's like saying you can't i i'm always very suspicious of absolutists and, and people who people who do tar everything with the same brush because that's just not how the world works it's not black and white it's like not. That. It's not. Um, so, going back to the the history, um, there was anti Masonic movements which grew up in the nineteenth century, um, arguing that the organisation was elitist, promoted deism over Christianity, mm-hmm. or was politically subversive. Some authoritarian states have banned or suppressed Freemasonry, including Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. Um, one common conspiracy holds that Masons secretly control world events. 
which is what we were saying. Critics have tried to link Freemasons to the Illuminati, the Knights Templar, assassinations and occult traditions. However, little credible evidence exists to substantiate such claims. And historians, mainstream historians, overwhelmingly agree that these allegations exaggerate Freemasonry's true power and influence. Nevertheless, the aura of secrecy around Masonic practices has perpetuated their association with intrigue in the popular imagination. Um, after the capture and suppression of the Knights Templar, there are legends the order went underground in Scotland. They eventually joined Robert the Bruce's army in the fight against England. When he won Scottish independence, they joined the new Royal Order of Scotland in 1314. The king established a Grand Lodge of Freemasons whose leader was a former Knights Templar. Um, the Knights Templar, I find it really interesting that the um, that old charges document that is is the earliest sort of record yeah. of masonry dates back to 1390. Yeah, and the, the the suppression of the Knights Templar and their eventual um, the the burning of the at the stake of Jacques Molay, um that was 1319 that they were finally yeah kind of extinguished. Now, okay, so there's there's a like 70 odd years, 80 odd years of difference there. However, if you were a secret order that was being persecuted by the most powerful people in the world at that time. And you wanted to revive the order in some form, you would wait a bloody long time. Yeah. Um, but not so long that it, that the traditions and the knowledge would have completely died out. So, and I, again, I mean, there's no there's no proof to say that the the, the Freemasons evolved from the Knights Templar. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Templars were actually called the Order of the Temple of Solomon as yeah, well. And yeah. if you look at, uh, where is are there, we, slide? Is there a connection yeah, the with Templars. Malta at some point with the Knights Templar? The, that's the Knights of, um, the, the Knights of Malta and the Knights Templar were two, they were two different Christian order of knights because right, okay. the, 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 the um, Knights of Malta are the Order of St. John, Right. Of something or other, and the Knights Templar. Um, I don't know if it's so much good guys and bad guys. I mean, the the the, the Knights of Malta were the Hospitallers. I'm getting. Well, sorry, taking <laughs> taking too seriously. But if you jump yeah. onto slide four, uh, slide five rather, we've got a nice, yep. nice little picture of a Templar there, this yep. horse. Yep, looks like a crusader, <laughs> yeah, just a, just a bit. Um. Yeah. And I mean, the Templars, for people who don't know, they were a, a holy order of knights that has a fascinating history because they started off as um, just guardians of pilgrims that were making the trek to the Holy Land. Yeah. And they evolved. They At one point, they started digging under um, the Temple Mount. And it was all done in masses of secrecy. And somehow, after this process of digging the templars not not quite overnight but in a very short amount of time became a massively wealthy massively powerful um organization that had the ability to to tell kings and princes what to do so this is and they're the actually temple of solomon that they're digging under yeah well it's i mean it, it's what what's now the dome of the rock so yeah, if you look yeah. at slide eight that's uh -huh. that's what it looks like now yeah yeah 
Um, and then slide seven is a, a kind of pulled back version of what Temple Mount might have looked like um, when King Solomon's temple was there. Right. And then slide six is a really nice image of what the Temple of Solomon may have looked like. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's on a site that's holy to three religions mm -hmm. and is, it's also on a site that is currently the cause of muchos problemos in the world. And so we're not going to delve into that because people don't want to know about that. Right yeah, now. There's yeah, enough of that. We'll leave there's, that, there's we'll leave that, that for tomorrow night. Or right. Yeah. So, but there is, I mean, it, it's a very ancient, very holy site. Um, the interesting, the other interesting connection that I find between the Masons and the Templars is if you look in that image at, at the front of the temple, you can see those two pillars. Yeah. And that's the uh, Boaz and Yakin, I think they're called. And every single Masonic lodge around the world pretty much will have those two pillars somewhere front and center, usually on the front. I mean, yeah. there's an old Masonic lodge here in Brighton that's now been turned into flats, but it's on. I used to walk past it every day on my way up to Brighton Station, and that has the two pillars on it. Um, and so there's two... This, this is the thing about the Masons that's both infuriating and fascinating in equal measure because there's all these sorts of connections, but there's no, you, you, there's no one that would actually admit that there's any kind of link. It's just, oh, it's just a coincidence or yeah. it's just this or that or whatever. Um, and But there are, there are lots of, I mean, if you look at the Freemasons clubs that sprung up in the 17th century, um, it they're all centered around the Temple of Solomon. The, the Freemasons freely borrowed from the Knights mythology and popular mm -hmm. imagination continues to insist that they and their wealth are connected. The Knights were an explicitly Christian-oriented group with serious vows similar to other Christian monks. The Freemasons had a gen more general belief in a higher power and accepted members from all faiths. In truth, Freemasonry's connection to made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Freemasonry's connections to major historical events remain controversial and debated. For example, many prominent revolutionaries in 18th century America, France, and Latin America were Masons. And this has led some historians to ask whether Masonic lodges helped nurture democratic ideals in the age of the Atlantic revolutions. Um, however, scholars are divided on Freemasonry's influence. Records suggest the organization's main focus was on fraternity, virtue, and moral speculation more than politics. Either way, Masonic thought and symbols influenced enlightenment, philosophy, and political thought. So these guys have have had a massive influence in history. So, I mean, it's yeah. undeniable. Yeah, but ultimately, were they just drinking clubs? Well, drinking clubs with a few funky rituals and and some yeah, odd, yeah. odd yeah, but sort of rituals. God knows, God knows what you got up to once you've had a few beers, you know? I think, well, <laughs> John, the less said about what you get up to after a few beers, the better, please. <laughs> Um, I, I think, but this is this is the thing about Freemasonry. Is there's always this dichotomy between yeah. the public face and the private face. Um, but this organisation has endured right the way up to the modern era. Um, I mean, it has dec in, experienced declining membership, but still maintains millions of members globally. Um, and it's mainly evolved into a philosophical and philanthropic fraternity 
yeah. open to moral men of varied faiths and backgrounds. So the whole thing is they, they like to claim that it's all above board and we're basically, as far as they're concerned, we're just a drinking club. We, we, we just do it a bit yeah. differently and our, our drinking games are a bit older and more interesting kind hold, of thing. Hold, hold on. What's that, Charles? What about Satan? <laughs> well, Freemasonry, it's, it accepts people of faith. They don't, they, Freemasons believe in that, that if to be a member of the Freemasons, you have to believe in a higher power, okay. God or whatever. Now, you might say that the Lord of Darkness represents a higher power or a lower power. Yeah. And maybe some of the Luciferians would, would agree. I mean, they objectively speaking, some of those theories are that he's the Lord of Light and that they, they kind of invert it and he's the good one and God's the bad one and all that kind of stuff. I have not um I've not delved down the Satanism rabbit hole that much because Should we quite frankly we can certainly put it on the list, but that's one that just creeps me out. <laughs> um, but I, it's, but I, I the was, whole point of the rabbit holes, yeah. gone. Well, I mean, when I was when I was like in my late teens, I think you know, um, I was obsessed with the occult. Obsessed. I th I would just I I used to I I think I started off reading Dennis Wheatley novels, and that got me into it. And then I started reading actual occult things <laughs> you know it's di diving it's into druids and stuff like that mm -hmm. i mean stuff like that is fascinating i went through a period myself where i was really interested in things like that and i mean i i read tarot cards for example so mm -hmm. it, that i had my side of life yeah mm -hmm. i've still got it i've yeah. had the same deck of tarot cards for nearly 30 years now um, actually, uh, a little bit more than 30, 31 years. I've yeah, because you're cards. not supposed to get rid of them. And I don't know where mine is. That's maybe what's caused all my downfall. Oh, dear. John's, John's downfall caused by losing his tarot cards. Could have been. <laughs> um, now, if we fast forward now to sort of modern day, yeah. um, the Catholic Church still bans um, Freemasonry. Yeah. although. That's that's a very dubious ban because I don't think well, I think that there's certain high level Catholics that just ignore it as an inconvenience. Yeah. And the the police are kind of supposed to ban it as well, but I think that's a kind of dubious ban as well. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's all sorts of uh, everyone has um, stories about people who were on their way to prison and they happened to be Masons, and suddenly they're not on their way to prison anymore. Um, but again, it's all, a lot of it is speculation because there's no actual proof that one Mason helped another Mason out. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, the thing that I found fascinating doing my research was that I'd heard about things like Scottish Rite and York Rite Freemasonry, yeah. uh -huh. and I wasn't sure exactly what there are, what, yeah. what they were specifically and how they relate to um the initial three degrees because you've got your entered apprentice and your fellow whatever and then the master mason but then if you have scottish right which is um it's called an addendum 
so it it doesn't give you any more uh it's basically the you can do a deeper study into freemasonry and it's called scottish right and that's where you get 33rd degree oh, because yeah, that goes from four yeah that goes from four to 33 all right so you just but go one one two three 33 yeah but you never get higher than a master mason so even if you get to the 33rd degree uh-huh. you're still a master mason but you're a 33rd degree master mason right, okay. in the scott but it's that's also the scottish right there's in addition to that there's the york right uh-huh. there's another one called shriners international which i thought was a bit of a strange name i've heard about the um, and then the, mm-hmm, okay yeah, they're, and they're then they're there's the order of the eastern i i don't know i yeah. I, I didn't really delve that much into yeah, i kind of heard the one. shriners and I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Have you have you got any? Have you got any connections with the? Not you personally. Uh, I meant in your research. Did you dig up any connections with the Ku Klux Klan? I didn't. No, I, right, I didn't okay. go that far down. Okay. It, it, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me at all because there's. If if you look at the symbolism, yeah, there there are some. Yeah, I, it, it. Put it so, this way: I would absolutely not be surprised if some of the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan were also high level masons. Yeah. So the thirty-three thing, and and it's it's always been known to be the Freemason thing, you know, the thirty-three de- degrees, but it also it crops up in a lot of other things, like those thirty-three vertebrae in the human spine. Yep. Right. There's thirty-three turns in human DNA. Um, Jesus was thirty-three when he was crucified. And Elohim is mentioned thirty-three times in Genesis. Mm-hmm. So, and is that just it's everywhere? Or is well, it... there is something that undeni- something undeniably significant about the number thirty-three. But when you, oh, I'm a computer programmer, and yeah. when I see something like that happen, it's almost like. It's an Easter. It's a simulation. <laughs> We're living in a simulation. <laughs> ah, it wouldn't surprise me. And and whoever's whoever's running the simulation is an absolute dickhead. Yeah. I just would like to get that out there. Just 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 a small point though. See if you were a you were in a simulation. There's no possible way you could detect it, surely, because you wouldn't have the ability to see outside your box. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, in, if you think about it realistically, we all, each of us lives in a simulation created in our own mind because yeah. the, the world the world that exists in my brain is very different from the world exi- that exists in your brain. And, and has, that has never been more evident than over the last three years, mate, that everybody exists in a completely different world of their own making. Exactly. And, and where, where those two worlds are similar... Yeah. is where people get on and yeah. where those two worlds are very different is where people don't get on. Yeah. It's like yeah. me and just me and just top oil might as well be living <laughs> in different galaxies, you know what I mean? And yet um when you see just stop oil trying to stop a bus full of migrants, you're thinking, "Whoa, hold on. I'm getting pulled in two directions here. What's going on?" <laughs> The whole thing just, it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is what, 
I mean, this is why we call it clown world. Yeah, it's there. There is no better description for this planet than clown world. It's, I mean, it's undeniable. So, I mean, so it's undeniable that Freemasonry has impacted philosophy and culture, and there's a lot of, I mean, the founding fathers and all sorts of other people. Now, there is one mason in particular who has been mentioned quite a lot recently and if you pop open slide where are we okay slide 36 slide 36 and and that's a name that particularly over the last 10 days or so i've heard people like gareth ike mention it and why why have they mentioned albert pike well because of a prediction slash prophecy slash plan, some claim, yeah, supposedly penned by Albert Pike, in which he described three world wars. The, the first world war being the downfall of the Tsars and the establishment of Bolshevism. Uh-huh. Um, the second world war being... Um, essentially the the downfall of Germany and the Prussians and the Austro-Hungarian Empire and all of that kind of thing. And then the Third World War. I thought thought it would be interesting to look at Albert Pike because, I mean, I've I've known about him for quite a while because I heard this prediction as well. Yeah. And it seems uncanny. It's literally like he predicted the first two world wars and then when this, this stuff first surfaced it was it was kind of clear i mean it's been clear for the last 30 years that the middle east was going to be somehow significant in terms of war it's always been a Um, cake, hasn't it absolutely now albert pike himself is obviously he's a real person and he was a freemason um he joined freemasonry in 1850 and he became a leading member of the scottish right order Now, just as a little diversion so that um, people understand the Scottish Rite, is what we were saying before about these different areas of Freemasonry. And the Scottish Rite is, it's kind of, it's kind of like going to the University of Freemasonry. The first, the first three levels strike me as, you know, up to high school sort of level Uh of, in terms of what you know about them. And then if, if once you become a, I, I, guess oh, once you become a master mason well i guess i guess then the 33rd level will be your postgrad. yeah absolutely yeah. that that's yeah. that's basically it's the once you've done the basics you then i i guess i i'm not entirely sure whether all masons have the option to do the scottish right thing or whether it's based on invitation only or whatever um that that's not something i was able to uncover um but Pike, he was a Confederate general in the Civil War, um, and he was in charge of Native, Native American alliances for the Confederacy. So he was on the losing side of the Civil War. Yeah, that um, <laughs> and after the war, he was arrested and charged with treason, but later pardoned. Okay. Um, he wrote many books on Freemasonry, including Morals and Dogma, which outlines the Scottish Rite degrees. Um, and his writings are extremely influ- influential in Masonic education. In the 1880s, Pike allegedly predicted three future world wars. 
After his death, a letter circulated claiming Pike outlined plans for three world wars to establish a, sat a satanic new world order. The first war allegedly aimed to overthrow why, the Tsars in Russia. Why satanic? Why, why did that get thrown in there? Uh, that was possibly just the source that I found because, yeah, I, I, I sometimes I copy and paste stuff. <laughs> Um, because there's no other way of getting the things done. But I mean, that's not the that satanic new world order. That's not my words. That's um, that's because, literally something I've copied and pasted yeah, and not big, not read it carefully enough. Everything we've said so far indicates that masonry is not satanic. Well, yeah, it's what goes back to what we were saying earlier on about um, masons being required to yeah, believe in a higher power. Yeah, and perhaps the public side of freemasonry is about that higher being higher power being god or buddha mm -hmm. or whoever but perhaps really... once you get initiated into the okay. secret side of freemasonry perhaps the higher power changes right okay so so now you know what you know what you've just you've just triggered <laughs> me so now we're talking what what's going on right a bohemian grove I don't know how. I mean, does that tie in? Would that tie in to the satanic side of possible, the possible alleged satanic side of Freemasonry? Well, possibly. I mean, there's there's a an interesting. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but there's a video of Eddie Murphy driving <laughs> in a car with someone talking about Sammy Davis Jr. and how he was once he was once with Sammy Davis Jr. Um, and the, and he was and Davis uh, he was really drunk, uh -huh. um, and he starts talking about how Satan is Lord and actually Satan's a really good guy and stuff. And Eddie Murphy does his classic. He's like Sammy, what the fuck? Oop. Yeah, well, I would. Pardon my friend. I would. <laughs> I was. I'm sorry. I was quoting Eddie Murphy. That, that no, fantasy. That was not that's me. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> No, you're allowed to swear, mate. It's fine. But as you would, as you would, you know, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know. You think, see, the thing is, until, until three or four years ago, any time I, I encountered Satanism or anything like that in, in my journeys through the rabbit holes, uh -huh. I, I always just kind of swerved it because it, it seemed too, uh, it's too loaded with religion and symbolism and stuff like that. And I never really, yeah. I mean, I've always kind of been an atheist, but, but in the last three years, I've seen yeah. evil descend onto this planet and it it's starts like... to make you wonder whether Satan is not actually a thing. Yeah. Um, especially when you then realize that, 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 that just, the level of utter evil that is at work in this world. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It, it's, 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 it's opened me to the possibility. I'll put it that way. Um, so the first, so as far, according to Pike, the first world war was to overthrow the SARS. The second to spark, um, would spark between the political Zionists and his, uh, the, uh, the second was between political and Zionist and Islamic leaders, and the third between Eastern and Western societies. Right, okay. Now, the problem with this is that there's a guy called Leo Taxil, 
And Leo Taxa was the pen name of a French writer called Gabriel Joglin Baget. And you can understand why he changed his name to Leo Taxel. So, yeah, because uh, his actual real name is longer than that. He's got about three or four different first names, and I just chopped okay. them out because that's not how he was known. Um, but he had admitted to carrying out an elaborate hoax against Freemasonry in the late 19th century. He published numerous books between 1885 and 1897, claiming to expose scandalous, the scandalous secrets of Freemasonry, including descriptions of satanic rituals. Um, if you look on slide 37, that's yep. that's Leo Taxel. Slide 37, Leo Taxel. Oh, he's a, he looks like a shoe salesman. Yeah, he really does. Or or a, or a, like a really a old accountant. Yeah, yeah, someone. Yeah, you could you could see yourself buying tobacco off that guy. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. Also... two ounces of old Holborn, please. <laughs> Um, but he, I mean, he was also, uh, he published a bunch of um, anti-Christian literature as well, including a satirical version. If you look on slide 38, I actually managed to find some of the, the book covers um, slash, I don't know, they look a bit like magazine covers. Um, but that's, and, and I mean, obviously he, was, he wrote in French. Life of Jesus, the amusing Bible, and the mysteries of, what's Frank McConnery? I don't know. Frank, but it had a it had a picture of Baphomet on the front. It so, does, uh, so well, they do it, look it, a bit devilish. Mm. Um, now in 1891, Taxil claimed that Albert Pike received visions predicting three world wars needed to establish the new world order. The alleged letter is the first known mention of the three wars, three world wars prediction. He also claimed a woman named Diana Vaughan received these visions from Pike and other Masons. Vaughan was a fictitious character that he later admitted to having just invented. Mm -hmm. um, in 1897, he called a press conference expecting to introduce Diana Vaughan to the public. Instead, Ta uh, Taxil, his name was does me in just that X, um, and he basically admitted everything that he published was fraudulent. Yeah, and he confessed that he'd invented... He's Elon Musk, isn't he? <laughs> um, he's Elon Musk. where you get that. He's, he's, Elon, he's Elon Musk before, he, before the next incarnation. <laughs> um, and, and essentially, he, was, uh, he confessed that he'd invented Diana Vaughan, Pike's predictions, and other Masonic scandals as an elaborate prank to mock Catholics who are anti-Masonic. Yeah. Now, despite his admission of forgery, the fake letter continues to be quoted as evidence of a Masonic conspiracy. Um, but reliable historians dismiss it as a hoax, and he admitted it himself. Now, you might argue that someone got to him and said, you are going to go and stand in front of the press, and you're going to say it was all BS, yeah. and okay, otherwise, right. otherwise your whole family is going to meet with a, an unfortunate <laughs> end. So it's this is this is the thing about Freemasonry is you you can't it's very difficult to go down this rabbit hole and not end up getting completely lost somewhere. And it's very um, difficult I mean, to pin down, isn't it? Absolutely, and I mean it's 130 years ago. Yeah, and he's it, it, this this tax he was 
he was properly anti-Christian. And I mean, he wrote uh, scathing critiques, one of which was called the, the Holy Pornographer's Confessions and Confessors. Another one was called the Pope's Mistresses. Um, and I mean, that life of Jesus that you can see in the slide, mm-hmm. um, that was complete. Uh, it was made mockery of the Immaculate Conception um, yeah. and just taking the piss, basically. Um, now, his piece, I'm just trying to find it in my notes where, yeah, the, the actual um, section, it's chapter 25 of a book called, it was a, uh, yeah, where are we? Hang on a minute. These, Sorry. These, these, covers, That's it. these covers actually look like posters for a live show. Yeah, they, they do a bit. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Because they, they look I, like they're asking for entrance fees. You yeah, know, t- I mean, tickets it, are it, it, mm-hmm. tickets are available here, free. Yeah, and then I mean, bear in like, mind this this was yeah. this was before theatre. I mean, this is when theatre was really big. So yeah, the, the, the popular system might have been a live show. Yeah, I mean, he. I mean, it was maybe it was live readings or yeah. whatever. Um, but. Essentially, he and a, a doctor called Carl Hacks, who wrote a two-volume um, series of books called Le Diable au Docile. Hang on a minute. I'm going to pop it. What slide are you on? I'm, I'm currently on 38, mate. Okay. So for people watching, I'm just going to change that. That's what this double book was called. The two volumes were published in 1892 and 1894, telling the insider tale of someone called Diana Vaughan in the words of a person called Dr. Bataille. The mm-hmm. lurid details of her account boggle the mind. Sorry, she was a member of the... Sorry, what, what slide did you want me to call? Uh, no, slide 38. I've just changed the title. All right, okay. Live. Right. You, oh, so yeah. you should have, yeah, should have seen it swap. I just couldn't pronounce that. Right. <laughs> um... Now, this Diana Vaughan claims to have been a member of the Palladium Rite of Freemasonry under the command of Albert Pike. Now, to start with, there is absolutely no evidence of any Palladium Rite. There's a lot of different, I mean, there's the, the Scottish Rite, York Rite. There are plenty of known rites of Freemasonry, yeah. but there is absolutely no evidence that there was has ever been any kind of Palladium Rite. Is there a um, is and, there a right that rules them all? Uh, Sorry, I've been a knob. I know. I'm holding my hands up. That's getting a bit. That's getting a bit too uh, Luke Skywalkery, Harry Pottery for my liking. Well, I, was um, think, I was thinking more Lord of the Rings type. <laughs> One right to rule them all. I mean, there is a there is a, a, a brilliant document that I found online called The Greatest Hoax of All Time. And uh-huh. anyone who's interested, I'll post a link to it on my Twitter um, after the show so people can go through it and read it. I did, because I, I went, I tried to go hunting for some of the original text that, um, and the original French book is actually available on the Internet Archive, but I don't read French. So that's kind of a problem. But I found a a section that was translated, which is purportedly um, the part of this destruction of like organized religion that uh-huh. Pike is supposed to have been written about. 
Um, and I will just read it, just this section out. Therefore, when the autocratic empire of Russia will become the citadel of papist Adonaism, now, just to interrupt briefly because I didn't know what it meant, Adonaism is a religious belief that only God is Lord and Master, as opposed to a belief in multiple gods or idols. It comes from the Hebrew word Adonai, meaning my Lord or my Master. Um, so, the empire of Russia will become the citadel of papist Adonaism. We shall unleash the revolutionary nihilists and atheists and provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which will demonstrate clearly to the nations, in all its horror, the effect of absolute unbelief, mother of savagery and the bloodiest disorder. Then everywhere, the citizens, obliged to defend themselves against the mad minority of revolutionaries, will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the countless disillusioned Adonites, whose deist soul have up until that time remained without a compass. Thirsting for an ideal, but not knowing which God is worthy of tribute, will receive the true light by the universal manifestation of the pure Luciferian doctrine at last made public, an event that will arise from a revolutionary movement following the destruction of atheism and Adonaism, together at the same time vanquished and exterminated. So there's a mention of Luciferian doctrine, and this is all, I mean, this is what uh, Tactile wrote. That this is yeah. this is one of the a translation of the original bit that Pike is supposed to have written yeah. and passed but, on to this Diane Vaughan person and etc. It's so. a bit doom and gloomy, isn't it? Um, it's very doom from, and gloomy. From, from um, the chat, from the chat, we have um, we have some information that says. Uh, <clears throat> hold on, where was it? Yeah, fellow traveller is something Masons call each other. Do you have any information on that? Uh I don't. So you don't know any of these secret codes? No. You don't do you did you discover what? the handshake? Do I look like a Mason? I've already said I wasn't a Mason. <laughs> no, no, but you're researching into it. I thought you might have managed uh, yeah, to get some uh, detail. That one is unfortunately that's not one that I've uh, that I came across. It's well it was I saw it mentioned. Okay. Um, but I kind of had to pick and choose yeah. what what bits what what kind of aspects of the rabbit hole we were gonna go down. Okay. Um so no that one's that one's new to me. But there's there's lots and lots of stuff that Ooh. was actually new to me as well. Because I didn't I mean I was very curious about what what the difference between Scottish Rite Freemasonry and kind of normal bog standard Freemasonry was. Um and yeah. So, is there a marked difference, and is one more popular than the other? Um, it's not so much popular. It, it's, I, I, it seems to get more secret as you go through the numbers, effectively. Um, and once you get to thirty-three, it, it's it's just like a black hole, pretty much. A lot of that's that's where it sort of descends into into kind of rumor. But I mean, we've got. Buzz Aldrin from our um, moon landing rabbit hole. He yeah, was a 33rd yeah. degree Freemason. Mm -hmm. Supposedly every president of the United States is automatically a 33rd degree Freemason. See, I don't understand um, how that can work. How can that work? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, a lot That's of it is... Fair. 
Um, it, it, this it depends on where you you kind of think it comes from, I guess. Um, which is really difficult to pin down because obviously the official documents of Freemasonry, we've got that document in 1390. Yeah. Um, I wasn't able to find anything from the 15th or 16th century in terms of documents. I'm sure they probably exist, but um, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated where this Masonic knowledge comes from. The things like the square and compass, um, and the the knowledge to create buildings, for example. Um, where did that come from? Who was well, the first person to create the square and compass? Well, well if, if, we, if we refer back to our last rabbit hole, Ed, did it come from people that are no longer here? I.e., did we find the buildings rather than? Make them. It's entirely possible. All the skills were passed on down through yeah. the through the floods. Perhaps there was, I mean, you, you never know. Maybe maybe Noah had two masons on his ark as well as all of the animals. It's, I mean, it, it, those those sorts of building skills. I mean, <laughs> admittedly, in the modern era, Freemasonry is now it. What you said is basically a drinking oh. club. With with some funky rituals, yeah. Um, certainly on the the public facing side, um, and a lot of their things about square and compasses. I, I'd imagine that most modern masons don't ever use a square and compass in their day to day yeah. life. Probably not many people um, do. But those building skills, I mean, right angles, Pythagoras, Euclid's. What is it? One of the the interesting Masonic symbols is um, the 47th problem of Euclid, which essentially is, is a math thing related yeah. to Pythagoras and stuff like that. I mean, we can go through some of the, because uh, we're, we're doing okay for time at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if you go to slide 14, I've actually put together oh. a, a list oh, yeah. of all of the... Um, I, there. I don't know why. I was looking at Rosicrucianism. Slide what did you say? 14? Uh, slide 14. I mean, it, if you anyone who's read a Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or any oh, of the Dan, Dan Brown, Brown books, yeah, read them uh, precisely. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of uh, particularly to his first book, it's all connected to yeah, Masons. His first book was Is probably the first the, one. No, the his first book was probably the best researched after that. Mm. It started to go a bit awry, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, there, he got into trouble with the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh -huh. who were the original ones to suggest the notion that um, of, of the, the the Sun Grail, the Holy Grail, was yeah. actually the the, the instead of it being some yeah. sort of cup, yeah, it was it was the bloodline of yeah. of Christ. Um, but Mason, masonry is filled with symbolism, and when you actually look at some of the symbols that of masonry you realize just how like pervasive they are so and so i found 15 of them which are, we, we don't have to go no, through them in a huge amount so of this detail. is a sundial with an hourglass on it yeah um 
Yeah, and, and it's everyone knows what an hourglass means, but they don't get it in the same way that Freemasons do. Right. The foremost meaning behind this symbol is the eternal passage of time. Yep. Um, the, hang on a minute. That's the sundial, not the hourglass. Uh, oh, no, the hourglass. Yeah, no, it's at the bottom part because it's a sundial, yeah. but you've got the, the hourglass. Um, it's the eternal passage of time, the sand slipping away until there's no more, and the, therefore a continual reminder that life is finite and that we should make the most of it while we can. Okay. It also acts as a, an analogy of the upper and lower and the need to turn the hourglass from top to bottom at times to continue the process. So it symbolizes the continuous cycle between life and death and heaven and earth. Um, the next one is the acacia tree which is considered by Freemasons to be a holy plant because Moses supposedly built his ark, the tabernacle of the tabernacle, the ark of the Co covenant, the table for the showbread, and the rest of his sacred furniture out of the wood of the acacia. The Masons, the spring of, spring of acacia stands for the immortality of the soul, and it reminds them of such because of the acacia tree's consistent evergreen nature. Um, another twist on the immortality meaning is the possibility that it also stands for life out of the grave, which is a lesson that everyone can glean from every plant everywhere. Um, again, we we go back to the flood, uh -huh. which yeah. must have happened. Yeah, um, yeah. and and I some mean, of we, the there was a flood. Let's and it was, was actually a, Noah that built the ark. Yeah, Sorry, there was a worldwide flood. We know that at some point. Absolutely. So was Masonic knowledge passed down from from a pre-flood civilization that perhaps built the pyramids or Stonehenge or some of these other ancient mon monuments that we're not sure about? Yeah. Um, next one, slide 16, this is the two-headed eagle, which is another really... I mean, it's everywhere, um, including there's a, a famous picture of Trump with some people taking the piss out of him, and they've redone the presidential seal as a two-headed eagle rather than the normal single-headed eagle, but that's not the actual presidential seal. Yeah. Um, did, the, the Rom two did the Romans use a two-headed eagle, no? Uh, well, the two-headed eagle as a symbol actually dates back to 3000 BCE, so... Uh, it's about 5,000 years ago, because BCE is 2,000 years ago, roughly. Yeah, okay. Um, but for Masons, the double-headed eagle not only symbolizes the dual nature of man and the Masons as a whole, but it also stands for the spiritual regeneration of oneself through the unification of opposites. So, 17 is the... Uh, I mean, are, we allowed, are we not allowed to use AD anymore? Uh, no, AD is uh, BC is what was BC. Yeah, it's before the I, I Common know. Era rather than yeah, before I Christ. I, I, I don't like Common Era. I don't like that at all. I don't either. But I'm I'm just I'm I'm trying to be a little bit politically correct. Why? Why? Oh, <laughs> you're talking yeah, to me. Okay. I I, I, I like I'll BC just use BC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll use. It's fine. It's your channel. We'll use BC and AD. Thank no you. problemo. So, slide 17 is the Masonic Blazing Star, um, which is also kind of a pentacle, which has um, occult meanings as well. Um, 
and the star holds multiple meanings within lodge. Um, the meaning given in the 28th degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish rite is that the star symbolizes the concept of Freemasonry at its highest peak. Mm -hmm. A man uses knowledge to become like a blazing star, shining with brilliance in the midst of darkness. Throughout the various rites, the star is said to be a beacon of truth. So next one, slide 18, which is the gavel. Mm. That's very close um, to... That's very close to the old, uh, there's a bit of a Soviet flag in there, isn't there, almost? The hammer and sickle. Yeah, yeah I mean. Quite close, it's, it's, quite close. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's not the same, but that is quite close. Well, <coughs> the, the Soviets were not fans of Freemasonry and outlawed it, so. No, we can we can That's... see that by the, the map. There's not a, lot of free, <laughs> not a lot of Freemasonry in Russia or Sweden. Or Sweden or no. Um, so the gavel is an emblem of, of authority used by the master of the lodge to show his executive power over the assemblage by punctuating its actions. It's also, if you think about courts, the, the judge using the gavel, that's a, mm -hmm. I mean, it's even given the same name. Yeah. Um, but it's not like the judge's gavel. It's an actual mason's gavel that we use to break the rough edges off a stone. Yeah, it looks um, like once a you begin to. I would call that more like a mallet, wouldn't you? No? Um, yeah, but it, it's more about it being. I I don't know where the judge's mallet comes from. Actually, I didn't well, think the to judge's gavel. look that up. The the judge's gavel, sorry, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as with everything in Freemasonry, there's an extra meaning, and it means that it doesn't only stand for the master's authority but the need for the Masons to clear their hearts and consciousness of all of the vices and superfluid, superfluid, oh, I can't even say that. Superfluid? Superfluous. No, super, superfluities. Oh, it, well, it's that, but it's superfluities. 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 I got it. No. It's like, it's like <laughs> see, and, and I was thinking about this the other day, and, and sorry, this is a complete aside, but see if you ever want to trip up an AI, ask it to say homogenous. You know, if it can talk, because AI cannot say homogenous. It always says I, homogenous. But that's not AI talking. That's the uh, that's the language. Yeah, well, um, yeah, interpreter. Yeah, but but it, it it can't do it. It just can't do it. It always says homogenous. Yeah, that's probably because of the way that the language, um, the the, the uh, text speech works yeah because they're not they're, they're, they're it's mimicking they're mimicking sounds they're not um yeah. they're not actually creating sounds themselves the way that we do when we speak that's um, why that's why they'll never beat us um well they, they'll only beat us if we're stupid enough to connect them up to defense systems and military <laughs> well, systems like I mean, well what gets you, you, me is right. What gets me is why would the UK put satellites up there and then actually call them Skynet after they're trolling us after the Terminator movies have already shown us what's going to happen because they're trolling us. Yeah, they, they are, aren't they? They really are. <laughs> so the next one, number nineteen, which is a mm -hmm. pretty famous one, which is the letter G. Yeah. Um, and many Freemason scholars hem and haw about the meaning of the sacred G, but most people believe that it stands for uh, gnosis, gnosis, or the, oh. the Greek word, or the knowledge of spiritual mysteries. 
at the end of the day, Freemasons aren't just a bunch of people who get together and talk shop or plan local politics or global politics or whatever the hell else they do. Um, they're a group of spiritual men who are constantly searching for something beyond the tangible world. Um, I, to be honest, until I read, I was researching this, I was thought that G stood for God because they do claim to um, that Masons have to believe in a, a higher spiritual power. But I mean, uh, Gnosis is another, I mean, it's, it's knowledge, it's pretty, effectively. It's a pretty shit sign, though, isn't it, really? It's, yeah, it, it's it's not the best. It's not the best. Um, the next you, you one's could, more pretty. You could, you could have done much better, Freemasonry. You could have done much better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one's better, which is oh, the Beehive, yeah. wow. number 20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, slide busy. number 20, rather. That's busy. Um, now, thanks to centuries of Freemason history and the dilution of some of their core beliefs, the Beehive may be one of the most contested symbols in their society. On the surface, the hive stands for industry and the need for masons to keep the world buzzing along, which is a bit PRE. Oh, isn't um, it? Yeah. But if you dig into it, you realize that it actually goes back further than the idea of a global economy. Um, and there are researchers who believe that it stands for immortality or the return of the soul. So there's a uh, there's a kind of a weird reincarnation y sort of connection with the beehive. Which is odd because there's yeah. no kind of masons don't necessarily believe in reincarnation. Um, the the next one, slide twenty one, is the moon, which is another. I mean, the moon is a massively symbolic, sacred um, mm -hmm. image, but it's held in great regard by the Freemasons because they view it as the biblical ruler of the night and as a reminder of the regularity of the conduct of the master of the lodge. But there is also a higher symbolism ascribed to the moon because it represents the senior warden in the West, which is an Egyptian tradition that associates the moon with that direction. So the sun rises in the East and the moon in the West and yeah. et cetera. Okay. Um, some Masonic research researchers believe that the moon symbolism is meant to be a parallel to the worshipful master who is associated with the sun and the iconic pillar of wisdom. Now, coffins, which is 22. Uh -huh. um, and it, it's this is an interesting one because just as an aside, there's a secret society at Yale called Skull and, Skull Bones, and Bones, which, yeah, George which, w. which has... George yep, w. Well, but yeah, most Bush of is, Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, very little is known about Skull and Bones, but there are certain... Masonic-y kind of oh, I think I think aspects is, to it. This is a whole kind of this is leading us back to Bohemian Grove. <laughs> yeah, we, we we should do a rabbit hole on Bohemian oh, Grove. We're going um, to have to. I mean, it, I mean, Alex, have you seen the Alex Jones video? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, I there. watched that about twenty years ago. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Um, it's just fantastic. Oh, you. You've got to admire the man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can the... say what you like about Alex Jones. <laughs> what but... is say I'm nuts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's like it's one thing to to infiltrate your local bridge club, but or your your local golf club, yeah. but to to, to somehow, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was good that that was Alex Jones before anybody really knew yeah. who Alex yeah. Jones was. It was 
It was absolutely tremendous, though. I mean, they just want they basically just wandered in and set up shop in, in Bohemian Grove. Yeah, and nobody I mean, coffin... questioned it for like two days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and he managed to get video as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, it was class, absolute class. And yeah, it completely. And when you when you actually watch the video, yeah, you're just left thinking. What, what the, the hell, is hell was that all about? Yeah, I know, because the um, video from across the lake, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and some when of the, the stuff that they Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the rumours are that the Bohemian Grove is where the, the elite, the bane of oh. our lives, gather once a year to... Well, they do. Um, <laughs> well, they, can't, they, they cast off all their sins. They It's like they admit to every bad thing that they've done, which means they're cool for another year and they can just go off and do whatever because they've been... Is that the reason for it? cleansed well that's not not the reason for bohemian grove itself but some of those rituals involving the giant owl and stuff yeah well and don't spoil that particularly from yeah we definitely need the, to do a rabbit hole on it yeah okay um maybe that should be the next one because that could be kind of fun um the the coffin if we go to slide 22 the coffin's yeah. an interesting one in Masonic law because it appears with lots of other different symbols, sometimes a sprig of acacia, sometimes yeah. a pentagram, sometimes a five-pointed star. Um, and it's it, it never it never seems to appear just on its own. There's always something, some other symbol, and it's it's a bit of a black hole, yeah. that one, because there's a lots there's lots of different arguments about what it means. Um, but there's no argument about the fact that it's significant. So okay. slide 23 is the number seven, which represents completion. It ties into the religious underpinnings as creation took place in seven days. There are seven colors in the rainbow, seven notes in the musical scale, and seven days in a week. Seven looms, it's a massive number, lucky number seven. Um and just to press the point home in Freemasonry, seven brethren are required to open or work a lodge. Oh, three a... master masons, two fellow craft, and two entered apprentice. Cool. So seven there's... is everywhere. Yeah, there's another um, rabbit hole we can put on the list: numerology. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. No, that's so we've got yeah, good one. Um, the next one I think probably because we've. We've run over a bit, so no, let's okay. just make this okay. the last one in terms of the symbolism. Well, there's not that which, many more to go, is there? Or is uh, no, there's another one, two, three, four, five. Right, okay. Well, let's just run through them. We might as well finish okay. Right, okay. So, uh, if, so if that's okay one, with you. Uh, no, it's absolutely fine with me. I'm just yeah. thinking about that. I don't know whether any of the audience is oh, no, awake we've, or not. We've, we've got more audience now than we've ever had, so... <laughs> let's oh, just let's just keep going. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you, audience. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you. thank you very much, guys. And remember, no, remember, great. come back tomorrow night at nine o'clock when Ben and I will be on and we'll be talking about all sorts of weird stuff and um, just keeping ourselves entertained because we'll go through the news, but we'll do it in a completely irreverent and humorous manner. Add over, right? Carry on. No, that's cool. So slide 24 is the two pillars, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Which are the, the pillars of Boaz and Yakin, so which who, stood who in front of us. So I, I don't know. 
I mean, the pillar of Yakin stands in front of the senior warden and signifies the Lord, right. while the junior warden's column, Boaz, signifies strength. Right. So okay. they signify God and strength. Okay. Pretty much. I don't know who Boaz and Yakin were. I mean, they're very unusual names sound, to start with. They sound a bit kind of Jewish kind of names, don't they? Yeah, well, they they do, but they don't. It, yeah. It's it's the, the the pillars are an interesting one because of all of the Masonic symbols, the pillars are one of the big ones because every Masonic yeah. temple they all have the two pillars. I mean, it's one of the ways you can you can recognize whether a building was built by Masons is whether they've got the two pillars outside, right? Um, and it's just, I mean, it, it it's significant in terms of Solomon's Temple and the first temple in Jerusalem and. I mean, it goes back thousands of years. Yeah. So it, it, that just, I don't know. When you think about where the Masons originated and to say that they, they popped up in the 1700s, 1800s, whatever, or even wow. 1300s, it just seems yeah. much, much older than that. Andrew in the chat saying he's pretty sure there's mention of Boaz and Joachim in the Old Testament. It's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a biblical scholar or some. I'm not a religious person. Basically, I don't, don't read the Bible, so oh, I can okay. tell you. Yeah. But if there's any, if there's any um, Christians who are really familiar in the book, with the Bible in chat and have anything to add, then please feel free. Yeah, cool. Um, so next one, which is slide twenty-five, which is a sheath of corn. Uh -huh. um, yep. And that goes back to the days of King Solomon when corn was taken from the original masons as part of their wages and they had that they had to give up. Today, a sheaf of corn is used during dedication ceremonies where it's laid at the cornerstones of new buildings. The corn can also be used to represent charity to the less fortunate. Okay. So that's, and again, I mean, the, the sheaf of corn mm -hmm. is, it's almost a bit rep reminiscent of the fleur de lis which yeah, is the symbol of uh, just, I, I mean, it, that's that's a stretch. But... It's a kind of harvest festival as well. And I mean, there's so mm -hmm. many things use corn, sure. you know, as a, a symbol, a sheaf of, Absolutely. of, of green. Um, so 26 is the 47th problem of Euclid. Oh, that's a, um, well, there's that Which thing. is, a, it's a deep cut in the world of Masonic symbology but it has an important meaning within the organization. The 47th problem of Euclid, also called the 47th proposition of Euclid, or the Pythagorean theorem, right, yeah. is represented by what appear to be three squares. To non-Mason, it can just look like a bunch of wonky squares, but to the Masons, the Pythagorean, Pythagorean theorem is the way to square your circle. Uh -huh. That's not only a way to remind yourself to keep life in order, but it's also a handy way to lay out geometrically accurate cornerstone for the new foundation, which is the, the fundamental thing about what the old stonemasons had to do. Because if your cornerstone isn't geometrically accurate, your yeah, whole building is mullered before you even start. Yeah. And, and unless you can do accurate right angles, um, you might as well build a round mud hut. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the two, the two, um, the two minor squares are the sum of the, of the the large square is the sum of the two minor squares. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean because Pythagorean, the Pythagorean theorem, 
um, lets you calculate diameters, and I think pi is in there somewhere. And I was crap at maths in school, so don't ask me any of this stuff. <laughs> right. Okay. So twenty-seven. So yeah, twenty-seven, which is the square and compass, which is probably one of the most famous of yeah. the Masonic symbols. Um, and you've probably seen it everywhere. And yeah. each symbol has its own distinct meaning. The square stands for morality, and it comes from the 90-degree angle used to test the accuracy of the sides of a stone uh -huh. to ascertain that its angles match the square's true right angle. Yeah. The compass is meant to symbolize the strength to circumvent our desires and to keep our passions within due bounds. Together, they symbolize the importance of exploring your desires in a morally true way. Okay. What about the trowel? Uh, that's a good question. That's not mentioned. It's okay. not. I mean, it's the square there's and a, compass. There's a pretty definite trowel at the bottom there, alongside there's the hammer bit, and chisel. Or yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's the Masonic I mean, they're, they're the fundamental Masonic yeah. tools because yeah, you've used no, the... Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate that. I just wondered if they meant something particular. But, you know, I'm that's not that I, 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 To be honest, I didn't look into that one any, okay. any deeper. Shall we move on? Um, and then number 28, which is the last of our Masonic oh, symbols, oh, which is the very famous all-seeing eye. Yeah. Um, and it's also known as the Eye of Providence. And it first appeared as part of the standard iconography of the Freemasons in 1797 with the publication of Thomas Smith Webb's Freemasons Monitor. In the monitor, it represents the all-seeing eye of God and is a reminder that a Mason's thoughts and deeds are always observed by God, who is referred to in Masonry as the great architect of the universe. Despite what most conspiracy theorists believe, the eye of providence being on the dollar bill doesn't mean that Freemasons are secretly lording over the American government. Yeah, right. Even though Ben Franklin was a Freemason, most of his ideas for the dollar were actually ignored or flat out rejected, um, which is kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, but they would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> it's like the question I and, posed and at I mean, the start. If I, if I said to you I wasn't a Freemason, Right? Would I tell you that I was? Probably not. Yeah. So I'm not if you're one of the just... super secret, world controlling ones. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? No. So, um, there you have it. That's Ed's take on Freemasonry. Ed's just take checking on to see if we've missed any sites. Oh, just to be completely, um. Uh, equitable. If you go to slide thirty-four, yeah, you will see that it wasn't just white people. No, no. And that's that. That gives us a nice, nice collage of yeah, famous black Freemasons. So Freemasonry is in no way racist. Let it be known. No one ever suggested um, it was, did we? No. And then if you look on slide thirty-five, there's I I found this one which I don't really have more to go on. But it shows some supposed interesting links between craft Freemasonry at the bottom and Knight Templar priests right at the top. And then you have right. things like the Red Cross so, Constantine. So the Knights the are, are in there. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're kind of um yeah, because the Knights of Malta supposedly everyone's favorite 
former prime minister and utter war criminal, phony Tony Blair, was supposedly, um, I don't know what, what they call it, inaugurated or admitted or whatever, but he's supposedly in the Knights of Malta. Um, and I think it's it's secret, different secret levels. I'm just trying to see if the uh, Knights Templar, Royal Order of Scotland. Anyway, so that's the Scottish right Freemasonry. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, the last one is slide. Mm-hmm. But that's basically it. So I've only run over by half an hour. So that's yeah, not too that's bad. But right. I've enjoyed this one. I I don't know if you guys have, but. I think it's been great. What do you think, Ed? Um, it's absolutely fascinating. It, it's yeah. a, it's one of the more difficult ones because to start with, I didn't know a huge amount about Freemasonry going into it. Yeah, and there's also so much. Literally, I mean, yeah, it's, I, think, I think we can revisit yeah. this at some point. Absolutely. I mean, if if the audience have got anything, if there's, I'm actually interested to see what Shalini thought because she's she's oh, been she's, she'll be really interested now. in. Uh, She'll be sleeping by now. <laughs> right. Okay, well, Shalini, she's only you got, wake up and actually... She's only got a, a certain period of wakefulness. I think she's a bush baby, you know, like in human form. Right. <laughs> okay, well, I'm I'm very interested to find out what Shalini thinks of this when she watches it. Um, But I don't know if anyone's got any questions or anything that they'd like to comment on, things they think I've got wrong. <laughs> Beats or... and Dips. Beats and Dips says, thanks, guys. I may join the Freemasons this weekend. <laughs> oh, Julie C says she's awake. Oh, Shalini is awake. She said, "Thanks, Ed. Did you stay awake throughout the entire process, Shalini? Did you really?" Shalini still in the chat. Oh, well done, well done, girl. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm, on, I'm, I I take that as a massive compliment that yeah. Shalini decided yeah. to stay awake to listen to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my take on the Freemasons. I think. There's there's certainly things that we can revisit in yeah. the future, and I mean the Freemasons will crop up in future rabbit holes, guaranteed. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, um, so shall we put a poll on the? Um, we'll put a poll on the community chat. So if you want to come mm-hmm. and visit us in the community chat, now I think you must be a subscriber before you can vote. I'm not sure, but I think you have to be. So you'll be able to see, if you go to our channel, you'll be able to see the community posts if you're a subscriber and you can vote on what our next um, rabbit hole will be. And I'm not quite sure where we're going next, but uh, um, do you have a clue? I did. Uh, I, like, I, 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 don't like I don't have a clue about many things. I like the sound of Bohemian Grove. Have you got something? I, I quite like the sound of Bohemian Grove as well. Um, let's Let me think. I would actually let's do either Bohemian Grove or the World War One conspiracy. The World how, War One conspiracy. Yeah, how World War One actually started and oh. whether it was in fact um, not the secret alliances and I mean, well, it was. I mean, the, the murder of Franz Ferdinand was what that that was the spark that lit the fuse. Yeah, but it's a question of was the fuse who created was the, the fuse laid by someone else. Exactly. So let's do a modern one and an old one, and and give uh, viewers the choice between okay. Bohemian Grove or World War One. We'll do that. So come along, check out the channel, community posts, um, and you can vote on our next rabbit hole in two weeks' time. Because Ed needs a time. He needs a time one to recover from <laughs> drinking a bottle of wine in one go, and for 
<laughs> to, I, I'm to, actually. Hang on a minute. Oh, I'm actually. Can. I'm actually doing all right. I've only because because of the video. I can't just sit here and drink like yeah. a raging alcoholic. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> when they make you talk, isn't it? But um, so yeah, so we'll do either Bohemian Grove or the real, the real. Uh, what would you call it? The conspiracy behind World War One, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. And and if people have questions or there's anything you want to know or you'd like to see a copy of the slides or whatever, just hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, and, and I'll probably I'll probably do an extra carrots um on Thursday to fill in the space unless Ben's got something on and you know and his um you know, Ben might still be in holiday, so I don't think he will have but um but if I'll probably do an extra carrots or something like that where I come on and talk for 40 or 50 minutes about nonsense and just chat. I mean, I also, I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I don't mind joining you on, oh, you? on the in between Thursdays if 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 it doesn't involve me oh, having to do any research. I would love that because um, I mean, basically, so, we just come, you could come on and you, I could be the guy that does them. I, I won't have slides, right? Because I, I just, you know, I have having been on the planet for so long, I've developed a kind of knowledge of most things right so what i'll do is i'll just and i've got a kind of eidetic memory so i just read something once and then i can remember it so i'll probably read up on something that we can maybe talk about and then i'll just come on and we'll talk about it and you can fire in us and we can have a conversation rather than this kind of formal thing that we do that sounds that sounds absolutely brilliant ed i would love that um i, I, I think, I, I think yes. the audience might like it would you like it audience uh-huh. i'm pretty sure you would so um, yeah, I think that sounds like fun. It does sound like fun. I think oh, that's what we should do. Yeah, no, that's cool. We'll yeah. do that. We, we, yeah, tables, tables yeah. turned. So next Excellent. Thursday, <laughs> extra carrots with me cool. as the lead, and Ed will be the annoyer. <laughs> sounds good. Right. I can't guarantee that I'll be able to make every single Thursday, but yeah. I, yeah. if I if I'm not researching it, then I mean, just coming here and. Chatting to you for an hour is is fun. Yeah, no, that's cool. Right, thank you. That's Excellent. Great. Okay, awesome. so thanks everyone for coming along tonight. It's been great for us, and I'm pretty sure it's been great for you. Cause I don't give a fuck what you say. Yeah, I'ma do shit my way. So you can go kick rocks. I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make. Yo. Got a lot of shit to say, so I'ma do this every day. I'll be writing things until I'm fucking buried in my grave. Six feet deep, wonder, but my body won't decay. Cause my messages are kind of so they put them on display. Oh yeah, I rap with a certainty. I have a sense of urgency. A message for eternity, for everyone internally. I had some people burning me, but now they fucking learn to see. I ain't the one to fuck with. Now they looking nervously. And I don't really care what you think of me respectfully. You can kick rocks if you think you're fucking better. See, I will outwork you, turn you to an enemy. Hurt you so bad that you're gonna need some my way so you can go kick rocks i'ma stack bricks up build what i want to make cause i don't give a fuck what you say yeah i'ma do shit my way so you can go kick rocks i'ma stack bricks up build what i want to make yeah i'ma do it my way Coming out with the state. 